Now, I want to get back to the immigration debate, the population debate and border security. And I'm joined on the line now by the Minister for Immigration, David Coleman. Thanks for joining us, David. No worries, Chris. Good to be with you. First up on border security, you're lumbered with these laws that Labor and the Greens and Karen Phelps passed. Uh, You didn't want them, but you have to manage them. They've weakened our border security. There's no doubt about that. But you're looking at ways to manage them so that they don't do any damage. And one of those is to take people who want additional or extra medical care in Australia, rather than bringing them to the mainland, taking them to Christmas Island. Is there any movement on that front as yet? Uh, well, well, no, the laws haven't come in yet, so it hasn't uh, hasn't uh, started to happen. But we need to reopen Christmas Island, Chris, because we're anticipating we're going to get a very large number of people in a short period of time. And the reason is because Labor's outsourced the uh, decisions about who comes to Australia um, from the government of Australia, who should have that decision and always has in the past, to uh, effectively some, you know, doctors based in Australia and then a volunteer medical panel. So we are going to have a very large number of people uh, come. And, of course, under Labor's laws, we can't even apply the character test, which we apply to uh, people coming to Australia on visas from every other uh, country uh, on earth. Uh, the, the character test uh, doesn't apply. And so uh, we are going to, uh, unfortunately, have to uh, uh, let people in that you know we otherwise wouldn't. But the bottom line is that Christmas Island will be uh, available for uh, for processing people for uh, treatment uh, where it's uh, necessary, and we're opening Christmas Island on the uh, advice of our uh, of our uh, departments. And you know we have to do it because we're going to have a huge influx of people. I mean, we've actually closed 19 detention centres, Chris. This is a great irony. I mean, Labor, uh, 50,000 people came, uh, 8,000 kids placed in detention, uh, 2,000 kids in detention when we came in, got them all out. We've closed 19 detention centres, but as a consequence of this uh, absurd law that Labor's rushed through the Parliament, we are going to have to reopen Christmas Island. You're saying the law's not in force yet. Is that because the Governor-General has not uh, assented to it? When do you think the law will... When will the law actually be in play? Yeah, they're just going through the normal process. They'll be quite shortly, uh, quite shortly, Chris. And uh, and then once that occurs, uh, basically any two doctors... Uh, in Australia, so it could be in Dapto, could be in Devonport. Yeah, we understand they can do it on Skype and all the rest of it. But well, they, uh, I, are you saying I, there's nothing I, happening I, already? You don't you don't have refugees already having these consultations and getting their applications in because there's oh, been some reporting around that. Oh, there's no question that people are getting ready for when the new system comes in. And I mean, the thing is, Chris, as you know, um, we have transferred people in the past for medical. Uh, treatment in Australia when it's appropriate to do so. But we've done it in an orderly way and in a way in which the Australian government controls. And well, I mean, and you've done it quietly. I mean, let's well, be upfront about this. This is the trouble here. Labor and the Greens and others, Karen Phelps, pretending that Australia would deny people medical treatment. Obviously, we've brought them here and given them medical treatment. Most of them have then taken action through the courts to stay here. But you've deliberately kept that quiet because you don't want to send a signal to people smugglers. Well, that's, that, that's right, Chris, and uh, we uh, are very concerned that this large influx of people is going to send a very clear message that people smugglers can exploit because they can just simply point uh, to the large transfer of people and say, well, here's a marketing message that we can put up into uh, uh, the Asia-Pacific region to say, well, um, you know, the, the, the route is open for business. And, I mean, Bill Shorten basically says, uh, he says, well, yes, we've changed the law now, uh, but if we get into government, we'll just we'll go back to the old system 
as the coalition government had in place. And that's just absurd. You know, no one's going to believe that. And, and the other thing that um, uh, we've highlighted this week, Chris, um, there's about 60 people who have um, already resettled in Papua New Guinea who actually aren't on Manus Island anymore. They've been given refugee visas and have resettled in the Papua New Guinea community. So that's a successful resettlement. Don't tell me they can now apply to come to Australia too. They can now apply to come to Australia too, Chris. That is absurd. That is is. going backwards. Well, exactly. It's basically reversing a successful resettlement. That's what it's doing. And that is uh, just what happens when you get uh, these uh, different groups all coming together with the goal of embarrassing the uh, government in the parliament but not with the goal of doing what's right for Australian border security and doing what's right for the management of Australia's offshore processing program. I've got a couple of questions that have been emailed in uh, from Beverly. Uh, quite good questions getting into the detail of some of this. First up, these laws that have been passed by Nauru, where they're saying they're not going to let anyone leave their country, their care on medical advice, unless those doctors have seen them in person. In other words, they're not going to allow, allow them to do it via Skype or, or, or remote consultations like that. Do you know if those laws will still apply if you're looking at taking the refugees to Christmas Island? Oh, well, look, you know, Nauru's a sovereign nation, Chris, and I, I don't speak for Nauru, and you can, you can imagine that that wouldn't be appropriate. What, what I would say is... But the expectation would be it would still apply, right? Their law is about uh, medical transfers to Australia and well, uh, Christmas Island is part of Australia. Christmas Island is a part of Australia, absolutely. But we've worked very constructively with Nauru over a number of years. We'll, we'll continue to do that. And people need to remember, and I mean, this is something that I think the Labor Party's forgotten. I mean, Nauru is a sovereign nation. Uh, it's uh, uh, just, just like uh, Australia or any other nation, and it will always look at things from uh, from its perspective and make decisions as it sees fit. But but having said that, we work constructively with Nauru and we'll, we'll continue to do that. Yeah, well, the Nauruans, uh, and I've been there and spoken to them, they're understandably, they get a bit insulted by this because they have mm. 10,000 people who love that island and love the medical care they get there. Sure, they fly to Brisbane sometimes for for some medical attention, some specialist medical attention, but they're pretty proud of their hospital, their medical uh, services and the way they look after refugees and they just see themselves being trashed by activists in Australia day in, day out. The other question that Beverly raised, which I think is an interesting one, is you have a medical review team of of some kind at the moment already, don't you, headed by the chief medical officer. Under this law with this voluntary doctors panel, is that going to be replaced or will you still have a, a, a separate panel that, that that is perhaps your chosen panel? Yeah, well, no, the new, the new law effectively supersedes the existing process. So there is a... uh, So basically the two doctors make a recommendation uh, and then it goes to the minister who has 72 hours to consider it. If the minister um, doesn't agree with the two doctors, it then goes to a volunteer medical panel and it's specified in the legislation the bodies that effectively can nominate people to that medical panel. And then if the panel agrees with the two original doctors, then basically uh, that person is coming to Australia uh, with some minor exceptions on uh, serious criminal matters. The other thing that's really important, Chris, and a lot of people, I think, still don't quite appreciate this, of those two original doctors, one, if any one doctor nominates other people to accompany uh, the, the person for whom the medical recommendation is made, they have to come. And uh, the only exception is the, uh, the criminal and security matter. So, for instance, 
If a doctor says, well, this person needs to come to Australia for an assessment, as you know, they don't have to be sick, they just need to come for an assessment. But the doctor can also say, and uh, the following five people should come with him under under Labor's law. And under Labor's law, uh, the government uh, has no power to stop that, absent those very minor... um, uh, exceptions for serious crime or breaches of the ACO Act. Well, this so, is getting worse uh, and worse. This is just getting worse and worse. You need oh, to keep it, talking about this all, all, all up, up, would, uphill and be, down dale because there's be, two new pieces of information there for me today yeah. where you're saying that, of course, they can they can bring in additional people uh, for, for, for company, effectively. It might be a husband or a wife, but it, but it could be others. Well, there's um, two categories, Chris. There's a, there's a family category, and but then in addition to the family ca- category, uh, there's another category, and it's just basically says accompanying persons. Yeah, I could say this mate's my this is my best mate, and uh, I rely on him, and I, I really I really need him to come with me. Otherwise, I'll be even more distressed. And the uh-huh. other issue is this one that you've raised about those who have already been resettled in Papua New Guinea getting a second crack at coming to Australia. This is just an outrageous yeah. abuse yeah. of the process. And, Again, and, and, something else that people who passed this legislation never would have contemplated. Well, indeed, and as Christian Porter said. Yesterday, um, the other form in the legislation, the way they've drafted it, the power to return people, uh, which uh, exists currently, uh, actually isn't in the law because of sloppy drafting. So there are just so many problems with this law, Chris, and it is just uh, a, a, a very damning indictment on Bill Shorten because, you know, if you, if you sort of rewind back to December, why are we in this situation? We're in this situation because Labor thought, look, here's a short-term political opportunity to uh, win a vote on the floor of the House of Reps. And that was their motivation. Yeah, and that's what they did. And we've heard from uh, the head of, uh, of uh, Border Security and from ASIO in the last week that if those, those laws that Labor voted for back then, before they were watered down a bit, would have been catastrophic. They're bad enough as they are, but what they initially voted for was uh, going to be catastrophic is the word they used. David Coleman, while I've got you, I need to get you on population policy. I'm certain someone in your office has brought to your attention the petition that former Prime Minister Tony Abbott is running. It's against government policy, effectively. And Now, I know we've heard this from Tony Abbott before. He says we should cut our immigration rate, we should reduce our immigration intake until we can improve our infrastructure and other settings. But he's now running a petition in the lead-up to the campaign. It's all over his website, Battle Lines. He says uh, he says he believes Australia should reduce its level of immigration at least until our infrastructure can catch up. He's all got already got 10,000 signatures. Two questions for you, David Coleman. One is, uh, will the government take up a similar policy? Uh, and secondly, if not, how do you feel about a former Prime Minister under the Liberal banner campaigning to change government policy? Oh, look, just on the, on the first question, um, Chris, I mean, the PM has already, already said publicly in terms of the, the rate of migration that he uh, is expecting that the number, the, uh, the annual uh, number will come down uh, in the next budget, which is the normal time that we publish the uh, immigration number. And, you know, it's been suggested that that, that could be in the order of around 30,000 people. So, you know, that, that suggestion's already been made. And in terms of the crowding and... Let's, let's, be, let's be clear on that, because there's been a lot of talk uh, over this issue and there's been a, a a lot of nuanced discussion. You're suggesting that in this year's budget, we could see, we're likely to see, a 30,000 people reduction in our permanent migrant intake. Well, look, again, I wouldn't want to preempt the uh, 
the outcome of the budget, Chris. But the P, the PM has been pretty clear in what he said back uh, before Christmas on this uh, on this issue. And in terms of infrastructure and uh, overcrowding, I think for a long time people have felt that you know it's almost like you're not allowed to talk about concerns about overcrowding and infrastructure issues, and people are worried that you know that they, they shouldn't say such things. But the reality is in Sydney and Melbourne in particular, there are very significant and legitimate concerns uh, about um, the, the density of the population. My own electorate, Chris, in Bankstown area and the St George area in Sydney, I mean, we've got a very high population density. So it's very reasonable for people to raise those issues. Interestingly, though, at the same time, we've got many regions of Australia actually crying out for more people. So South Australia, they want a lot more people. Um, regions like Kalgoorlie, Tasmania, um, parts of Victoria, Western New South Wales, Cairns. There's, there's a lot of places, actually, Chris, that are, are wanting more immigration. So what that suggests is we can do a better job of balancing the needs across the country and, and getting the system to better match the uh, better match the needs around around the nation. And in terms of um, you know Tony being involved in in that debate, it's absolutely. You know, Absolutely, his right to do so, and uh, you know the, the issues around immigration are something that the government's you know always looking at very closely. Thanks so much for joining us, David. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Chris. David Coleman, there, the immigration minister. Some fascinating insights coming out of that interview. Some of it was new to me. I don't know if it was new to you, but this news that uh, sixty people who have already agreed to resettle in Papua New Guinea can say, hang on a second, no, I'm still a refugee. I might try and get to Australia for medical attention. That is a worry. Also, that news, that that's effectively confirmation from the Immigration Minister that in this year's budget, we're going to see a 30,000 reduction in our permanent migrant intake. That will be a popular decision by the government.